G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 15 Preview Edition. Uh, thanks very much to Palmabet, our official podcast partners. Palmabet give you tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. If I sound a little bit excited or more excited than usual, it's because... We are on the eve of one of the great rounds of football I think we've been lucky enough to play host to for a number of years. As I say, a very good morning to my Footyology podcast co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. Are you excited about this round, Shorey? Look, 17th versus 15th, even it's even though it's in my hometown, it's not doing a lot for me, Rowan. And the so rest, you've got, to, you've got to give me something better than no, that. Don't be a smart ass. Come on, what about the rest of it? Here's a call one, two, three, five, four, six, seven, eight. And I tell you what, one of the most entertaining games and um, will be 16th versus 18th. And I'm serious, West Coast Eagles with some players back playing the inform Essendon side. That's going to be a highly entertaining game. Uh, you are correct, uh, some absolute significant games in the big picture. Well, none other, no, no game played between any sides separated by more than four spots on the ladder. And uh, just quickly again, give us those matchups. One versus two. What were the others? Uh, three versus five. Yep. Um, four versus six. Yep. And seven, eight. There you go. The top eight all playing each other. That is only, believe this or not, the fifth time that has been the case since the top eight came into being in 1994. Just five times have the top eight all played each other in the one round. Uh, should be a fantastic weekend of football. Season-defining, dare I say it, and incredibly tight at the top of the ladder. Just two games separating first and ninth on the ladder. So all manner of possibilities ahead of us. We are also back to the full book, nine games after the buy rounds. There's a lot of reasons we're excited, but mainly because we get to bring you incisive previews of all nine games. We're not going to waste any more time. Let's get straight into it. On Footyology, Newsfeed. Okay, some cracking games to preview. First, though, we need to look at the news of the week, and uh, it's been a controversial week, not for the first time, with off-field events dominating, and we speak of, uh, I think we can officially call this guy, quote, problem child, unquote, Collingwood's Jordan Degoey, who uh, jetted off to Bali on a mid-season holiday, got videoed uh, acting up, playing the fool uh, more seriously, though, and without a word of humour attached, uh, basically trying to yank a young woman's top aside and expose her breast. Not on, uh, not what the game wants to see, not what any of us wants to see in an era where we're trying to encourage respect 
and responsibility in young men, a really, really ordinary look. Uh, and the saga has continued to drag out. And uh, I'll get your thoughts on this, Robert. But basically, I think of his own making. First, he did the uh, played the victim card about uh, poor, oppressed media not being entitled to any privacy. And uh, he said it was all going to end badly, this. Uh, and now causing a second ruckus by pulling the, uh, well, not the mental health card, but saying he'd been diagnosed last year with ADHD. Uh, and uh, a lot of fairly uh, angry reactions to that as well. In short, Jordan Dugowie Collingwood announcing on Tuesday has had a fine of $25,000 suspended i.e. he won't be paying that fine unless he acts up again and the fine is invoked. He has, however, had a two-year deal which was on the table uh, put to him by the Pies for uh, $1.6 a year. That has now been taken off the table. Uh, what else? The woman he was convorting with, Remy Jackson, was quick to defend him, uh, which probably saved his bacon, to be honest. Uh, there's been angry reactions from his female colleagues at Collingwood. Uh, Collingwood, of course, a very strong player in the women's football space. They've got a netball team, uh, which is pretty prominent. They've got a lot of female employees. Of course, more attention on this than there would be because of what happened uh, last offseason in the US, and he was lucky to escape from that. Uh, I would say, Robert, uh, there's a lot of discussion points raised here, but the bottom line is if it wasn't Jordan Dugowie, an enormously talented footballer, he would have been drummed out of that club uh, probably nearly a year ago. What do you think? Um, I find it interesting. Obviously, um, I don't condone any um, lack of respect for women. Uh, That's a a no-go, especially when you've got four daughters and... um, You've tried to bring them up and um, you see these things happen. Um, What confuses me is if you had a survey of the AFL uh, stakeholders and you had to tick the box, right, six six boxes to tick, where should Jordan Dugowie spend his time off in the buy, right? I've got no idea how many people would say, why doesn't he go to Bali? You know, go to Bali and sit on a beach and it, it had to be asking for trouble giving the form of the of the previous sojourn. So I'm not sure. Uh, it raises the question, which is on social media, he's entitled to his own life. I'm, yeah, you probably are, but you're probably entitled to behave, be respectful and represent, represent your club in good light. He hasn't done that. Can I just chip in there? And and I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but yeah. why can't he go to Bali? And well, he can. Sit, no, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, sorry. Why can't he go to Bali and just sit on a beach? You know, what, what, what is this thing where if you go to Bali or something like that, you have to get out in the Terps and go to a, a nightclub with flashing lights? And and that's why I said it, Ron, like because the, yeah, it's true. I was well, punting. I'm punting on that happening Yeah, well, because he wouldn't do it. Well, the, you know what? Let's call a spade a shovel here. This guy is an idiot. He's an idiot. Now, seriously, in, and 
I, I, I'm usually I'm pretty sympathetic when when uh, sportsmen or, or celebrities or whatever do, as people now cynically say, play the mental health card. This ADHD thing, I mean, that is insulting. And I, I've noticed that various spokesmen for um, that cause, in fact, I'll quote you one. Uh, yeah, do full, that. Full Stop Australia CEO Hayley Foster, they're an ADHD organisation. She said, attributing disrespectful and abusive behaviour to an ADHD diagnosis is an insult to people wow. with ADHD. ADHD does not cause disrespectful attitudes towards women and girls. Um, so, you know, and and that earlier effort where he's talked about enough is enough, you know, poor me, uh, I can't cope with all the intention. You know what? You could just sit on a beach. But even beyond that, if you were absolutely intent on going out and getting hammered one night and cavorting with, with young women or whatever, you don't have to consent to having yourself videoed doing it. So he's been there. How many times over is has this guy been an idiot? First, the destination of choice. He didn't have to go overseas. But, you know, if you do go overseas to a, an exotic location, just sit on the beach. You don't have to get out in the Terps every night. So get out in the Terps. If you're going to get out in the Terps, don't let someone wave a camera in your face and film it. Or where do you think it's going to end up? You absolute numpty. Like seriously, it, where, where do you the, fit? Where do you come with the? Oh, it's his own time. Is entitled. They 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 employ him. They don't own his time. I agree they with don't. that. I agree with that. I, I do, agree. Right, okay. I, I do yep. agree with that. But if the guy can't behave like an adult, I mean, this is you know, like seriously, this how old is he? Twenty six. You know, this guy isn't. It's not even like he's eighteen. He's twenty six. He's been in the system ten years. And you don't behave like an idiot because you got ADHD. You don't do this, put yourself in this position um, because poor me, every everyone's out to get you. You put yourself in this position. Um, I, look, what I should ask you, do you think uh, there's certainly been the belief, I know, in uh, a couple of major newspapers that uh, Collingwood has come off very lightly on him that he should have been suspended or dropped. What do you think? No, I, I wasn't. That I would like to see a, um, uh, the, the fine count as in now. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> that's, um, that's the second, you know, we had the issue in America and now this issue. So I want to know what, um, what the penalty was for him for the last one. Was there a financial and, and did he... Um, uh, was that suspended too? So um, suspended fines are a warning. Uh, they're a don't do it again. Well, he's actually done it again from the first time. Yeah. So now, now they're sus- having a suspended fine for an anticipated third offence. You know, if you do it yeah. again, yeah. You, you'll be fined. So what, um, what, it, what annoys me with this is the fact that if it was Joe Bloggs, yeah, and now I'm just going to pull a name here, uh, say Jack Madgen or someone. Yeah, if it was someone like that, they'd be gone. There's no way they'd be there. And this is where football is full of crap because they, you know, clubs like Collingwood, they did it. And the AFL does it too. You know, they mouth these platitudes about respect for women and blah, 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 blah. But the guys that do this sort of crap, they're still there. If they're any good, 
they're still there in the system. And you know what? If Collingwood cut Jordan to go, someone else will pick him up because he's a good footballer. So the well, bottom line is, him, yeah. Well, for all this crap, if you're good, you get given a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And and you know, like I, I, I like to think that the game is contemporary, thinking contemporarily on these sorts of issues. But it's really not. It's really full of crap, isn't it? Because when push comes to shove, if a guy's a good footballer, he's going to get the opportunity to make mistake after mistake after mistake. And I'm old-fashioned. It took football off the front pages and the back pages. It took the best week of the year off, you know. I know that's a um, a traditional outlook, but um, I wanted to open up my, my age and the Herald Sun and all that and read uh, what a blockbuster we got starting on Thursday night, an article with Max Gorn, uh, all these sort of things. That's very, very basic and traditional. No, no, that's, that's not traditionalist. No, I don't, I don't think that well, is. Well, it is. I want to read about football, but in this in this world of social media that we're, we're, we're part of, Ryan, we're coming to grips, it wasn't part of our upbringing, but people that have social media as part of that upbringing are very defensive at this, you yeah. know, the younger oh, what did he do wrong? Yeah. yeah well, people well, are well, saying, well, what did he do wrong? Well, what you did know? he do wrong? It's, yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not about the visibility of social media. What he did wrong is about how he sees women, isn't it, really? Yeah, but Which, it allows people to comment yeah. in support of him. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, but, I, I think there's a real... Well, it gets back to what I'm saying. Footy set mouths a lot of platitudes about this stuff, but I think the attitudes of people on this stuff are still pretty ordinary and they don't change much. And we see Sorry, this. Another, yeah. Sorry a question without notice. And her name is on the top of the tip of my tongue. She's a great advocate. She's just been employed by Collingwood. Ran, Rana. No, sorry. I should, I should have come armed with... Um, Collingwood just appointed a female to a high position at their football club from the AFL. And I'm sorry I I uh, asked you that question. I thought you might have known her. Doesn't matter. Um, keep going. Now the other two kids. Well, surely they okay. put their head down, don't well, they? Well, what what do you think of that one? And well, we're talking about Jack Ginnivan and Isaac Kane. Well, just put your head down. All this Dagoey things happening around you, surely. You have the capacity to say, hey, listen, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we shouldn't post it. I know it's a game, but it is rating women, even though they are fictitious, you know, fictitious women, um, but they're rating them and commentating on them. It, 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 it annoyed me because... Um, it was, it was just in a bad place and bad timing, even if the there way, was good. You, you're talking about Rana Hussain, by the way, who thank you on Collingwood Football Club's anti-racism group. Right. Yeah. Go on. Well, I've just said what I said about the boys. Oh, okay. Just um, bad. Just, you know, the old saying, read the room for goodness sake. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't put this up given the publicity our club's just going through. So maybe the capacity to actually read things and make logical, smart, common-sense decisions uh, evaporated from those young men's brains. It was well, extraordinary I, they put that up in the week of this. Well, I mean, that indicates to me that they don't see what the problem is. Well, um, that's what I'm saying about this younger social media. They don't see the problem. 
Younger yeah. people, a lot of people say, well, he's got every right to go away. Well, he has. He can go wherever he likes. Yeah, but the, but the problem, this is what Phil Cleary said, uh, yeah. Rob, and, and Phil Cleary's right. The, that's not the problem. The problem no. is, forget that, the problem is what it says about how they view women as objects. I mean, are we ever going to get over this? You know, I, I, God, I don't want to go off on this. That's the yet. bottom line, and we've been at it for 15 minutes. The bottom line is how you view women. You know what? I'd say it's actually, yeah, it is the bottom line, but there's actually even a bigger issue here, and it's the entitlement of people who are AFL players. And I see, and I'm going off on a tangent here, but I see this continue into their lives post-playing, and particularly a few uh, that, that get into the media. The level of entitlement, they think, you know, the arrogance and the sort of, yeah. You know, the world yeah. owes us a living because we could kick a football well. You know, well, it doesn't. There's And the, the proud sort of ignorance and arrogance and the swagger because they were playing AFL footy 20 years ago, you know, get stuffed. I really, I've got to say, I'm old and grumpy, but I've got to that age now where, mate, you can play 300 games of AFL footy. Congratulations. It doesn't make you a superior human being. It makes you someone who was blessed with one gift a gift that lots of other people have in other areas of life, which probably in a lot of cases contribute more to society than being a good footballer does, you know. But when I see that in younger generation players, it's even more depressing because you like to think that young people, and I do think this, young people on the whole are more sensitive and aware and informed and enlightened than our generations were. And yet when you see that sort of level of entitlement about people just because they're elite sportsmen, you know, get over yourselves, guys. You're nothing <laughs> special. And and you too, specifically you, Jordan Degoe, mate, get over yourself, seriously. If you weren't a talented footballer, God knows what you'd be. Uh, all right, enough. All right. Let's talk about one more thing quickly, and that is the release of the uh, draw for rounds 20 to 22. So finally... Apart from that last round, we have a full schedule of fixtures. Uh, highlights, well, Friday night footy will finish with a bang. Uh, round 20, we'll see Fremantle hosting Melbourne at Optus Stadium. Uh, just their second ever Friday night fixture in per- at Perth Stadium. Uh, the following week, Melbourne and Collingwood meet on the Friday night at the MCG. First Friday night clash between those two since 2007. And round 22, St Kilda hosts Brisbane at Marvel Stadium on the penultimate Friday night of the home and away season. All those clashes could go a long way toward determining top four and top eight status. Some decent Saturday and Sunday games too. Uh, Round 20, for example, featuring Geelong against the Bulldogs at the Cattery. And uh, that coming ahead of Richmond taking on Brisbane at the MCG. So uh, changed environment, isn't it, Rob? We used to look forward to the fixture being released in October and have a look what was on the cards in the last round the following season. Uh, It's taken until the end of June to know what's on the cards at the end of a season. <clears throat> and don't the rusted on fans hate it? Yeah. They they want to plan their trip. Yeah. I, I want to go to Fremantle, go to Perth in um in August and watch Essendon. I want to go over on Thursday and go over to Ru- the people 
plan their life around their footy club and their holidays and their breaks and their work and their long service leave. You know, I'm really sympathetic to the to the modern day member that is passionate about their football club and can't look at a fixture and say, okay, let's let's book now, let's get on Jetstar, let's look for some cheap flights, get a hotel, and that's our trip to um to Brisbane. And yeah, yeah no, uh, I, I I agree. And, and it really affects people's passion for the game. Yeah. It does. And the floating fixture, you know, for all the agitation for a floating fixture, in the end it ended up being because of COVID. But people yeah. have been pushing for this because, oh, it'll give us better games in the marquee slots. Well, some of the Friday uh, night games in recent weeks have been bloody awful, and that's they with have. a floating fixture. So uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure that the benefits outweigh the uh, the cons, and I think you make a very good point about supporters being stuffed around. And I think, to be honest, when you're looking for reasons for poor crowds this year, I think that's one of them. I think a lot, the live spectators have been treated with a bit of contempt in terms of uh, even the membership tickets. You know, the fact that people don't have physical membership tickets now, it's all... Well, they do now, don't they? They brought well, them in. Oh, and oh, they're going to yeah. bring them back. Yeah. The uh, but, you know, downloading apps and scanning QR codes and this sort oh. of stuff. Then there's the scheduling. And then there's the fact that they take away, you know, they reserve the right to schedule closer to game time and then they still can't get it right. You know, stop treating the fan base with contempt. Uh, the game of football it seems to be a recurring theme about the entitlement of people in AFL football. All right. Been uh, a big news segment. Uh, well, it's been, we're, you know, we're, we're fired up. And we're rightly fired up. And we're fired up too, though, mainly about nine great games of footy headed our way over the next few days. Uh, without further ado, let's get into round 15 and preview it till it hurts. On Footyology, previews with Punch. A massive round 15 kicks off at the MCG Thursday evening. It is teams one versus two on the ladder, 7.20pm, the MCG be there. I feel like Jack Little pumping up the wrestling. It's Melbourne taking on Brisbane. What do our good friends at Palmer Vet say about this one? Well, you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmer Vet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, they have Melbourne coming in head-to-head, a decent favourite. The Demons paying $1.66. These odds are at Wednesday morning. Brisbane, the outsider for this game, despite being on top of the ladder, the Lions paying $2.17 head-to-head. Now, some very interesting stats around this game, Robert. Brisbane, for a start, Brisbane has not even played at the MCG since March 2020, which was the the round one game against Hawthorne, during which um, we had the announcement that the season was being put on hold for three months. So that was a, a very strange day. But that was the last time the Lions even played at the MCG. And when they have played there, it's been pretty dire. They've lost their last nine games at the ground. Their last win there was against Collingwood in 2014. And since losing the 2009 semi-final to the Bulldogs under the coaching of Michael Voss, Brisbane has lost 17 of 19 games at the MCG. 
Uh, their record against Melbourne isn't flash either. They've lost six of the last eight against the Demons, including last year's qualifying final by 33 points. Uh, as far as the last few weeks goes, well, Melbourne, as we all know now, have lost their last three. No Max Gorn. They're being challenged like they've been never challenged before over this last year and a half. Brisbane, on top of the ladder, I wouldn't say they're exactly flying late. Brisbane are two and two out of the last four games, and that includes losses in Perth to Fremantle, but a loss as well to lower ladder team Hawthorne. Uh, I'll talk about injuries shortly, but uh, how are you seeing this one, Robert? The battle of the top of the ladder. <laughs> well, it is, but uh, for for the reasons that you've articulated clearly, um, it may not be uh, for circumstances like the, the Brisbane MCG record and Melbourne's form. Um, it, it, it may not be actually one and two in form, Rowan. Is that mm. making sense to you? Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. Um, I I think the odds are tilted. I, I I like the fact that May is back, and uh, but Gorn is out, leaving Luke Jackson to do the ruck work one out against Mack and Ernie. May's going to be important for a couple of reasons. A is their full back and can go to Danaher, and number two, he gives Jake Lever a little bit of um, how do I say this, Rowan? A little bit of a breather. Yep. Um, we've seen uh, Jake exposed in the central defensive position. He needs to play as the third tall. Um, I'm very confident that Brisbane will win this game based on the fact that um, I, I can't see the Melbourne forward line breaking down this very solid Brisbane defence. Melbourne's last three scores, Rowan, are 56, 61 and 56. They're going to kick, They're going to have to kick 100 to beat Brisbane who will get Zorko back from a hamstring, which will add pace and effervescence and energy to that side. And I think at the moment they seem Melbourne seem a bit one-paced and one-paced against the likes of Charlie Cameron, Zorko, Neil, McCluggage um, and, and Bailey is not a great fit, despite the form that we know we're going to get out of Petrarca and Oliver. Brayshaw's in magnificent form. And don't forget, I don't think Clarkson will let Langdon off the hook. Clubs aren't doing that anymore. You mean Fagan? I said Clarko, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Well, they work very closely together. <laughs> they did. They did. Peas in a pod. Uh, one of them slightly less prickly, I think, with the media. <laughs> I'm thinking about Chris Fagan. Just on uh, Melbourne, I reckon I wouldn't say overlooked, but an absolute key to that, what you're talking about scoring with them, I was just thinking it then, Tom McDonald. Yep. They're looking at not getting him back this season. The latest prognosis on him with an ankle injury is 10 to 12 weeks. So I think it's actually starting to look doubtful he's going to return at all. And uh, it's just that flow-on effect that he has, isn't it? it? You know, his presence reduces the pressure on Ben Brown, reduces the pressure on Bailey Fritch. Um, but no doubt scoring has again become an issue for them. I keep saying this, that they went from being a, a decent team to a really, really good team when Ben Brown came back into that side last year. That increased the range of scoring options for them and their scores just went through the roof as a result. They're now back to sort of where they were and that uh, capacity to score is a very big question mark. However, uh, 
I demur on this one, and I might be putting too much stock in this, but I just reckon Brisbane not having played there for two and a quarter years, Brisbane seldom playing on a cold, wet, midwinters Melbourne evening, I think that is a big factor. I think Melbourne go okay in ordinary, greasy, damp conditions. I've got a feeling they might be better in that sort of environment. Than- I agree on that point, yep. Okay, so uh, I am actually going for Melbourne to win this one. It's not saying I don't think the odds are surprisingly long as far as the lines go for a side that's on top of the ladder. But I think this is a massive game for Melbourne. And I think, uh, look, what that body of work over the last year and a half, it's good enough to see them make a statement here. Uh, I reckon it's going to be really tight, but I'm going for Melbourne to win this one by six points. Yeah, your margins are right. Look, at the start of the year, who would have thought that we could be talking about uh, zip four in a row in the middle of winter for Melbourne? Um, You concern me with the fact about... uh, you know, I didn't even consider, which I should have, Rowan, but Thursday night. Yeah, I thought, I thought, you'd, MCG, I thought you'd uh, died then for cold. a minute. No, uh, <laughs> no, nah, nah, I just um, didn't consider it. But, um, no, I, I'm, I'm going for um, the same as you, but in reverse, I think it'll be a low-scoring, tight game. Uh, I keep I keep um, correcting myself. In a low-scoring, tight game, it sort of favours Melbourne also, doesn't it? Look, I'll stick with Brisbane to make it uh, – 0-4 for Melbourne and a big talking point based on low scores. I think the scores will be something like 80 to 70. So I've got uh, the lines. With an inc- with with a better run and some better pace and a more settled side winning by 10 points. Oh, right, no, uh, I can't have 10 points. Nine you, points. Oh, nine points. That's right. We've got to, you've got to be odd. Um, okay. There you go. So to speak. All right, uh, big Thursday night game to kick off a fantastic round. And uh, Friday looks a bit different as well. Well, unusual Friday night format. We have a double header, one game in Perth, one game in Melbourne. And the game in Melbourne kicks off at 7pm. It is between the Western Bulldogs and Hawthorne. It is at Marvel Stadium, Palmerbet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, have the Bulldogs very comfortable favourites in the head-to-head betting. They are paying $1.41. Hawthorne, meanwhile, is paying $2.93. Pretty even, these two, in recent times. Hawthorne have gone 3-2 against the Bulldogs since they met in the 2016 semifinals. Uh, they upset the Bulldogs last year in Launceston late in the year, round 22. Uh, recent form, well, the Hawks lost by just 13 points to Fremantle last start. They had uh, last week off, of course. They lost to four points, uh, by four points to Collingwood the week before. So they're not far off it. The, the big but there, though, is the bottom line is they've lost seven of their last eight games and only have four wins for the season. The Doggies, they've won four of their last five now. They've topped 100 points in three of those four wins and they kicked 99 points in the other one. So the goals are flowing. In fact, in the last four games, they have kicked 14, 15, 25 and 19 goals. Very potent up forward and uh, particularly potent last week against GWS. How are you saying this one, Rob? 
Yeah, it's a very interesting stat you gave. Like, we've been very buoyant or positive about Hawthorne. You just, seven out of eight. Yeah. And yep. and we've also, and I'm digressing a little bit, we've also done the same with Adelaide. I think you mentioned they lost six out of the last seven. Yeah. So some of these teams that we're pumping up a little bit are actually not going that well. I think that'll continue despite the fact that um, some significantly important players are going to be out of the uh, uh, dog side. Tim English is a marvellous player. He's uh, he's in the top ten clearance players in the competition for a bloke that's 200 centimetres. Direct. Uh, Taylor Jurey against his old side would have an important job um, on one of the Hawks small forward. And of course, okay, so I'll- just stop there. I'll just give details of what's wrong with him. So English concussion, he's going to miss at least one, maybe yeah. more because he's got a bit of a history. Jurey, uh medial ligament injury, and he's looking at least six, if not eight weeks on the yeah. sidelines. Go. And we don't know what Cody Waitman's going to do. All we know, Rowan, is yep. he's going to be, I'll swear, he's going to be bloody sore. Yeah, you know, it's well, gone into a, place. Yeah. They can strap it. They can stabilise it. Yep. So, um, Talking about his elbow there, dislocated yeah, elbow um, for those that didn't see it. Oh, well, if, you, if you're listening to this program and you didn't know. Uh, Why are you listening to this program? Yeah, yeah fair but, point. Go on. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on the, on the positive side, in the wings – uh, literally, uh, Lockie Hunter back into the uh, game. Uh, young Sweet will have to go back into the ruck to keep their balance. And, of course, Mitch Wallace will come in and add some very, very solid experience to that lineup. But on the other hand, the Hawks get will get back Mitch Lewis, I think, and even Jack Dunstan. Correct. And probably put Den- Denver, Granger, Barras back into the back line. So um, a few out, but it appears that Hawthorne... Um, uh, oh, sorry, it appears that the Western Bulldogs do cover these uh, outs very, very well. They're in great form. Um, and I just hope Hawthorne looked closely at the game last week. McRae and Libba, 20 clearances. So Mitchell and uh, Jai Newcomb have got a huge job there. Waitman and Norton kick 10. Well, Waitman might be out. And, of course, it would be interesting to see how they balance up controlling Bailey Dale and Cab- Caleb Daniel off the halfback flank. All said and done, it'll be an entertaining game. Um, Hawthorne will, uh, as you said, they were in good form last week. That was a good game against Fremantle. Uh, I think the Western Bulldogs at Marvel, where they control the ground very well, should have a, uh, a reasonably comfortable 17-point win, Rowan. All right, so you've gone with the margin early. Um, I'm just thinking not to be discounted, the Hawks. Uh, you know, I think... Uh, well, Gabe, they never are, mate. We're always no. talking. We're doing the same thing every week, yeah. but you've got them at seven losses out of eight games. That's true. Gunson and Lewis are certainly significant yeah. inclusions and, and make them obviously a far more potent team. Um, you know, I think dry conditions under the roof that probably helps them with a you know some of their younger, less uh, strong physically players. Uh, by the same token, the doggies, there's just no margin for error for them now. Their tardy start to the season has mean however potent they look and however good their form, they just have to keep winning. This they're a game outside the eight, and there's a queue of. Four clubs ahead of them, three inside the eight, one outside the eight, all of whom are a game yep. ahead. So they've just got to keep winning, um, and particularly games like this against sides lower on the ladder. So 
Unfortunately for the Hawks, uh, yeah, I, I suspect more of the same, which is they'll give a reasonable account of themselves, but I think the Doggies will prevail in the end. I'm going for the Bulldogs to win this one and stay very much in that finals race. Bulldogs by 18 points for me. That is the first of the Friday night uh, doubleheader. Let's talk about the second one on the other side of the country. The second game on Friday evening is over in Perth. And uh, if you live on the East Coast and you're watching this one, well, be prepared for a late finish because uh, it start 8.40 p.m. time, Eastern Standard Time. That would mean a finish of around 11.20 by my calculations at the earliest. So, uh, oh well, at least uh, Saturday the next day, hopefully you can sleep in a bit. Uh, we're talking about West Coast taking on Essendon, Palmer Bet. Uh, talking about the following odds. Remember, you can always get tackle-busting benefits from Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Essendon, this hasn't happened this much this season. After a good win last week against the Saints, the Bombers are pretty warm favourites for this game. Palmerbet offering $1.42 on Essendon head-to-head. West Coast. <coughs> uh, excuse me. No, you're yeah. right. West Coast. Uh, paying two dollars seventy, uh, which also but that's probably one of the shorter prices they've been over the last few months. But that is at home. Uh, West Coast they lost to Geelong last week, uh, nine losses in a row now as a club record. But there's a vastly improved performance. It was their second narrowest loss of the season, and uh, within a couple of goals midway through that last quarter. Um, Essendon, of course, also had a, well, not also, Essendon had a triumph against St Kilda, just their third win of the season. These two have split their last 12 games, six and six. Essendon's record in Perth at Optus Stadium is 1-3, lost four. I'll mention injuries in a sec, but uh, how are you seeing this one initially? Well, a inter- very, very interesting game because... Uh, um they the pointy end of both these teams will clash. And what I mean by that is Essen very good form. That is as good as I've seen Essen consistently, four quarters across the board, uh, play AFL standard football for years. And I mean years, Rowan. Front half pressure, um, attitude, ball movement. Um, the thing I noticed about Essendon, and um, we're all being critical of the round-the-back handball, Give me a handball, give me a handball. Oh, I'm in trouble, you know. And But the handball was decisive, it was forward, and it broke up the play. They're going to run into a side that um, uh, would be very keen on themselves to win. An 18-point loss to Geelong, uh, if they take that into the game, uh, they're, they're a very good chance to win this game. Uh, but it remains to be seen what Essendon bring. We know at airports, Rowan, there's a significant problem with luggage. It gets lost. No one can find their luggage. So if Essendon can't find their football brain or their football mindset in the terminal, T4, I know, they go virgin, don't they? Um, This is going to be the key to the game. It is. Uh, I think personnel is going to be a key to this game as well. And uh, from Essendon's point of view, some big uh, selection issues there. Remembering we are recording this Wednesday morning before selection. 
Parrish, will he come back from a calf injury? 50-50, isn't it, Rowan? 50-50, but Andy McGrath out again with an adductor issue, and it seems like those two at the moment can't get on the park at the same time. Uh, Just the other thing on that, mate, when one's been out, the other's been in. Yep. Now, this will be significant if they're both out. McGrath came back, covered Parrish, probably one of the best on the ground. Yeah. If they're both out, uh, that's a hole. That is a hole. That is a massive hole. Just uh, while we're talking injuries, uh, Devin Smith being listed as indefinite uh, now with a knee injury. And James Stewart, who I I thought was about to come back, well, he's now injured foot two to three weeks. So uh, That must have been a training row, and he was the medical sub and didn't get a run. I don't know what's going on with Essendon's fitness people, but um, same sort of uh, people keep having the same sort of injuries and the same few, sort of layoffs. Uh, get on the other mob. A few interesting ins there, mate. All right. Well, the West Coast injury list, uh, it's shrinking a little, and they certainly got some good players back last week. Uh, Kelly, uh, Ryan should be back. Kelly and Ryan should be back this week. Uh, maybe Petrovsky seaton as well. McGovern, um, he's had a yeah. really tough time with broken ribs. He spent three nights in hospital, so I uh, don't think he'll be there. But uh, West Coast, certainly in terms of manpower, looking a bit healthier. Is that what you're alluding to? I am. And um, uh, the tail of the tape with premiership players, I did a quick estimation given we are Wednesday morning, Rowan, they could have 13 to 15 premiership plays in that side. Wow. Um, From four so, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, uh, they're all there, most likely 13. So a little bit over half their side. Um, it's still uh, question marks their depth. Uh, their rucks are in a little bit of trouble with the 201-centimetre Bailey Williams going up against Phillips and Draper. Um, geez, it's a hard one to call this because it's the trust factor. You would think that Essen would be professional, methodical, uh, get on the plane, get the job done, very similar to Geelong, 18 points, but they're not Geelong. And we just do not know what's going to get off the... Uh, the virgin flight at the other end of the country. Uh, very, very well summed up. That's exactly my concern too. Go back to the last Essendon victory against Hawthorne and how abject they were in the follow-up to that against Sydney at the SCG. Got ahead of well, themselves. It's, folks, it's it's not a pot on them. It, it's a lack of trust factor and history shows us after a week, a, a brilliant win, a magnificent win, celebrations at the 150 the week before fell flat, got themselves up. All I'm we're going on is show us some trust. Yep. We'll back out. It was a great performance. We'll back in, but get the job done. They should win, Essendon. They should I, win. Well, I've I also I got to say, I was pretty impressed for the Eagles against Geelong, and Geelong are a, a clinical, efficient side who rarely lose games they shouldn't. But they were really pushed in that game. The Eagles were within 11 points. So it was very winnable deep into that last quarter. Um, it's in Perth. And I think West Coast really sniff, can sniff something here. They've lost nine in a row. It's been a miserable, miserable year. They will look at this and think, we're a definite chance. I'm worried about Essendon being without potentially both Parrish and yeah, McGrath, that, even, that's, even mm. one of them. Yep. Um, so... 
I am going for, well, officially, it's an upset. I'm going for West Coast to win this one um, by two points. I do have a proviso that Parrish plays, but I just cannot believe that this team can't turn the corner uh, from a mental... T- oh, we're, we're, we're asking Essendon to be mentally tough and turn up each win, each win. Um, if the West Coast play like they did last week and Parrish and McGrath don't play, they're going to win this game because they're going to get extra support. Their members last week were very happy. They're up and about. They've got some really good players coming back. Um, I'm just going to trust Essendon to do something that we don't expect them to do, and that is to back up with a good, strong, professional performance, Essendon by 11 points. Rightio, we differ on that one as well. And like, I, did, I did back them against the Saints, didn't I? Did you I did, pick Essendon? you I did, did, yeah. And it was so, a good call. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm silly picking Essendon two weeks in a row, aren't I? Well, historically, historically. Time will tell. All right, time will tell. Thanks, that is Martin. the Friday night doubleheader. Let's talk about Saturday. Well, Saturday sees uh, a trifecta of ripping games. In fact, this is such a great round. Uh, The top eight all playing each other. It's only the fifth time this has happened since 1994, believe it or not, was a stat I read the other day. Um, And three of those games being played on the Saturday. And the first of them is at Marvel Stadium, 1.45 Saturday afternoon. It sees Carlton up against Fremantle. Palmerbet telling us why well, you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. The visitors will start favourite. Fremantle, head-to-head. You can get $1.73 on the Dockers to beat the Blues. Carlton paying $2.11 head-to-head. They've already played once this season. Uh, round six in Perth, Fremantle beat Carlton by 35 points. Carlton had won the previous four clashes with Frio, two of those by just four points in Perth. Of course, Jack Noon's famous goal after the sign from the boundary in 2020 and uh, Mark Murphy bobbed up with a very late uh, winner the year before, 2019. Uh, Fremantle, how they go uh, on the road and at Docklands. Well, over the years, not great. Fremantle lost 12 out of 14. At Marvel that's, Stadium. That sounded funny. Not great. <laughs> yeah. From 2015 to last year. But they have won their last two games there. And one of those this year, that was against Essendon in round five. And a really good win that was too. 48 points. They're third on the ladder, Fremantle. And they've won their last three games against Melbourne, against Brisbane and against Hawthorne. Carlton a fifth. Uh, they have lost two of their last three games, those losses to Collingwood and Richmond with a not overly impressive victory against Essendon coming in between. Uh, tough one to call this one too, I reckon, Rob. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, there's a couple of outs. Um, oh, look, I'll let you do the injuries in a moment. But um, this is, to me, the most intriguing game. There's they're possibly better games or higher-profile games. Geelong Tigers, we just did the um, – which one did we do first round? Oh, Brisbane and um, Melbourne. Melbourne. But this is an intriguing game, uh, given the fact that Carlton, you said, have lost two out of three, Fremantle on the road. And once again, Carlton, Carlton have been struck down by the significance of the injury to first game of Sam Durden, who yep. has got specifically – 
not only because of his good form in the sample and a good mid-season pick, but the fact that um, they're just lining up to get injured in this back line for, um, uh, for Carlton. And they'll come up against Rory Lobb, uh, Michael Walters will be down there, Nate Fife goes down there, Sean Darcy goes down there, uh, David Mundy can go to full forward. Um, that, they look a bit more settled, don't they? And I'm not sure, you'll probably have it in, I'll, I'll refer to you in a moment, uh, I'm not for sure of the status of uh, um, Chera for Carlton. That's going to be important against his old team. Yeah, still a week away, they reckon. He oh, right, he right, won't okay. be part of it. Uh, Durden, as you said, he's going to be out for at least four weeks. Uh, Jack Martin, an outside chance, they're saying. Uh, but uh, the tools, uh, particularly in defence, like you say, it's a bit of a Bermuda Triangle. Well, don't read them out, mate. It'll make the show go an extra half an hour. <laughs> Well, McGovern and Wiedering, uh, they're there, both, there you go. They're yeah. both they're both still a month away, and Pidnet uh, in the ruck still a month away too. So the injury list remains considerable. Their form isn't great. Uh, just quickly, Frio in terms of injuries, Switkowski has a stress fracture in his back, um, so that sounds pretty serious, and we won't be seeing him for a while, I don't think. Uh, Josh Tracy uh, has a high-grade lateral ligament injury, has avoided syndesmosis, though. Chapman not yet ready to return from a hamstring. Aside from that, oh, Blake Akers, the other one, of course. He got injured uh, the other week, and uh, that looked like a serious hamstring one. But apart from that, uh, personnel-wise, the Dockers looking okay. Uh, I'm going to let you tip first while I make up my mind. Uh, I just want to say one thing. In 2013, that's basically 10 years ago, James Aish was taken number seven in the national draft from uh, from the Norwood Football Club. And as um, this is not disrespectfully, but turned into a little bit of a journeyman. His contribution in the midfield is going to be significant. He's done some enormous jobs and he compliments Sarong, Brayshaw, Fife. Uh, Akers is already out. So I'm suggesting... Um, one that the punters should look at is the James Ace Sam Walsh matchup. Just to, you know, with Chera out, if they can put uh, Sam Walsh to sleep, and um, Longmire is one of uh, is a tagging coach, even though he's got a very balanced uh, a way of playing the game for Fremantle, he's not frightened to employ a tagger. So I'm looking for Ace to do the job, and while it will be a desperate Carlton. I just think, and and they just got to hang in the Blues. You know, you said two, two out of last three. Uh, they've got to get a win. I don't think they will, Rowan. I don't think they will. Uh, both sides have got very, very good small forwards. Um, I just, I think Fremantle are marginally in 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 better form, or not marginally, they're in better form, better balance, and I think Fremantle can come away with the thirteen point, another tight game, uh, thirteen point win. Uh, incidentally, just uh, correcting you, you said John Longmire. We know you mean Justin Longmuir. They are two reasonably oh. similar. Uh, who have I gone with? I've gone with John. Well, <laughs> you've you gone these. with Clarko instead of Fagan, and you've gone with Longmire instead. And you of know Longmuir. why you do that, as you know, because you're thinking of what you're going to say and not actually say what you're thinking. 
Well, it's if all right. Well, 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 I can let it fly under the radar and everyone knows what you mean, or I can correct it, which would No, you I want you to correct me. All right, um, I'll correct you. Justin Lommuir. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And John uh, Longmuir. Hey, there's not a lot of difference between those two There isn't a lot of names. difference. There isn't a lot of – and both very capable coaches as well. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Fremantle, 13 points, say so you. I'll tell you what, I, I could think about this for the next two hours and it would oh. still be a toss of a coin – I'm going for Carlton, and uh, there's a, no great science about it. I just think, yeah, okay, Frio beat Essendon at Docklands earlier this year, but I was at that game. That, that was a struggle, that game for them. It busted open late, but Essendon were pretty ordinary that day, and Fremantle still struggled. There's something about them on the road which makes them a lot more vulnerable, I think. Uh, I think it's important for Carlton, having slipped out of the top four, they need the win. Uh, I think they can get it. I just think the crowd might get behind them and pump them up a bit. Uh, but, look, I'm not uh, saying this with any degree of confidence. I'm going for Carlton to win this one by four points. That's one down in the Saturday trifecta of great games. Let's talk about the second league. Twilight, 4.35 p.m. Saturday afternoon. The MCG brings together Geelong and Richmond. And Palmer Bet, boy, they've been agonising over this one. You can get tackle-busting benefits all season, thanks to Palmer Bet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And uh, the head-to-head odds for this one, as tight as I've seen, Richmond, just favourite. They are paying $1.90 head-to-head. The Cats are paying $1.94, almost a line ball. Now, the record between these two, very interesting. Geelong won 20 of 21 games against Richmond in a period spanning 16 years between 2001 and 17. But Richmond reversed that trend in the 2017 qualifying final. They then beat Geelong six of the next seven meetings, including three finals. That qualifying final I spoke about, the 2019 preliminary final, and, of course, the 2020 grand final up at the Gabba. Geelong have struck back and won the last two meetings, both at the MCG last year, and both very comfortably, 63 points and 38 points. Current form, Richmond are sixth. They've now won six of their last seven, lost the other one to Sydney by just six points after leading handsomely. Geelong are fourth. They've won their last four. But, Rob, and a significant but for me, none of those have been against sides in the top eight. Now, you can only beat what's in front of you, but none of those wins. They're not exactly screaming from the rooftops, pick us, pick us. How are you seeing this one? Well, you've just blown me out of the water, and there's no doubt that uh, the Richmond coach, Jeff Geeshan, has got a lot of – oh, sorry, I've done it again. I'm only joking. No, that was a good joke. That was a good joke. You had to go back a couple of decades to that one. I liked it. Go on. Um, Hardwick has got an issue. Uh, Tarrant, we're not sure of. Um, Cochin definitely out with that shoulder rowing. And, and the, the critically important bolter is uh, he's a bit crooked, he's a bit sore too. Um, that, that's a worrying stat for mine uh, that you've just thrown at me from left field that they haven't beaten anyone in the last four. I was under the impression that they're going well. I thought it was a good win last week. And. Um, but there's going to be some significant challenges, particularly in the ruck. Last week, um, 
they they dominated the ruck, right, and dominated the clearances in their trip to Perth, um, given the lack of uh, experience in the West Coast Diesel Ruck Division. This week they come up against Nan Curvis, and Nan Curvis will have, uh, uh, in partnership with him, will have Dustin Martin backing to the side. Cotchin's had a terrific year, I feel. He's been really consistent. Uh, the Richmond back line, led by Vloston and Broad, has been really, really good. And we also get a chance to see young De Koning at full back, who um, I'll go on record in saying if he wasn't a full... Well, the only reason he won't win the, the Rising Star is because he's a full back, mm. if that's understandable. Yeah. I think um, I think Newcomb and Dacos have been outstanding. Um, Martin from Essendon, I know I'm digressing, but I, I, I want to impress upon people how good this kid's been. Yeah. He's a fantastic and his matchup with Lynch will be absolutely uh worth can they say it? Uh, worth the admission prices, despite the admission prices being very high at the moment. So d- does he definitely take Lynch and not I Rewald? think he does. I, I think he's the stay at home, out yeah. of the goal square, full back on on the main target. Jack Rewalt, mobile, moving around the forward line. Um and that's going to be that. That opens the other question about what can Richmond do about uh, Tom Stewart and his just, domination. Just on the yeah, good point because he has been racking up the possessions. Uh, just on those four wins at Geelong too. So they've beaten Port, they've beaten the Western Bulldogs. So like you know they've beaten oh, okay. sides that are thereabouts. They're not terrible quality four wins. Right it's up. just that none of those. Uh, sides they've beaten have been in the top eight as we speak. This is my worry. My worry about Geelong, though, is, and I was thinking it last week, they're very good now at winning the games they should win, and they can often do it, I think, without necessarily getting into a, a super high gear. When they come up against the real quality teams, my image of them in recent times is that they've struggled. I mean, I, I kept thinking about the preliminary final last year. Against Melbourne, they got absolutely blown out off the park. Richmond, when Richmond have been at their best over the last few years, have held sway over the Cats. The grand final, that qualifying final, the preliminary final, two thousand nineteen. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going back away here, but I think Richmond are getting their A game back. Um, some significant losses there. There's no doubt. Bolter is a big loss. Cochin is a big loss. But Martin is a pretty big in. I'm just wondering about Dusty. He hasn't been uh, hasn't set the world on fire in the footy he's played but he's had another week off is he just ready to sort of come back and say I'm Dustin Martin this is a big opponent this is a big game get out of my way just I hope it me. is and um I think the rest after playing a couple or was it one or two Rowan on the on on the comeback um let's say he played a couple and then have a rest he should be you're right uh play a couple pull up a bit sore bit tired have a break, go for a swim, go to Bali. Now, hang on, he didn't go to Bali, did he? No, that was a good That was a good choice. You're working Dustin. beautifully today, Rob. That, that, that was a good cho- <laughs> choice. Um, I think he's cherry ripe to go. Uh, I'm trying to find an opponent for Tom Stewart. Um, Jack Rewalt's in reasonable form. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd, it, it's a bit of a left fielder to put one of your premier forwards, or maybe it's not, put your premier forward on their premier back. And um, let's see how Tom Stewart goes, uh, knowing the fact that he's responsible for for Jack Rewalt. 
if if um, Hardwick can engineer that matchup, I'd be pretty happy with that and try and not expose, but try and isolate Lynch on De Koning. But given that, given the fact that Dangerfield comes back into the side, so Dangerfield cancels out Martin, Martin cancels out Dangerfield, so it's all square there for me. I'm going for um, I'm going for Geelong okay. by. Uh, by seven points. Seven points. Okay. You sounded more definitive than that when we were talking about this earlier, but uh, yeah. well, a win is a win. Um, well, I'm, I'm going, I might tip all single uh, digit margins this week. That's how quiet <laughs> this round is. I know. Uh, look, I, no disrespect to Geelong. Like I said, I think they're, they're playing good enough football and they're very good at doing what they need to do. Oh, I just think I don't know. I, I really. I've hey, the Tigers with, were tough last week. Yeah, they were Tiger tough. Yeah, Tommy, weren't I've, they? I've stuck with Richmond through thick okay. and thin. I think they've still got some really good footy left in them. Uh, I think they're good enough to get the job done here. Uh, I'm going to go for Richmond to win by eight points. Good man. So uh, should be a fantastic game. Uh, that's two of the terrific trio of Saturday games. Let's talk about the uh, Saturday evening game. Saturday evening at the SCG, 7.25pm, Sydney taking on St Kilda. Palmer bet we can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Has Sydney, pretty warm favourites, paying $1.41. St Kilda, disappointing last week against the Bombers, $2.94. The outsider, both these sides coming off disappointing losses. Of course, the Swans lost to Port Adelaide. How do they go against each other? Well, Sydney beat St Kilda 10 times in a row between 2012 and 19, but the Saints have won two of the last three, the one loss in that time at the SCG, the venue for this game, by nine points. Uh, St Kilda have won 10 and lost 22 all up at the SCG, but they've lost their last six, and they've lost 14 of 16 there from 1998, which was a final against the Swans to 2021. As I said, both disappointing last week. The Swans are in seventh spot after that loss to Port Adelaide. St Kilda hanging on grimly to a spot in the eighth, in eighth spot after that very disappointing loss to Essendon, Rob. Well, both teams were incredibly disappointing, weren't they? The Swans got blown out of the water by desperate... Both sides both sides faltered against pressure. And um, Essendon against the Saints, and Port Adelaide's pressure um, was fantastic. Essen recorded their highest pressure rating for uh, living memory to, against the Saints. Uh, Laddams needs a spell for what he did. Uh, wasn't a violent act. It wasn't a head-high contact, uh, but it was a silly, stupid, undisciplined act, so he can have a rest, and that um, the Swans will have to rely on Hickey. And and read to carry the to the ruck work. Um, they're both on the back of disappointing, but there is some positives for the Saints. Um, they got some game time into Billings and Hunter Clark, who's a good player, but they didn't influence the game. The fact is, they got some game time in, and and St Kilda will get McKenzie and Steele back into that side. Well, the latter is massive, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, he's as good a captain as he's running around, I reckon, the influence that he has over that side in terms of his on-field example. 
He's been massively missed by them, and he's missed the last four games since having mm. uh, shoulder surgery. Mackenzie, as you say, he's out of concussion protocols. He, I feel like he's more important to them than he used to be as well. Um, the other, oh, he's in- a good player. That he's he's been really good for them. Yep. Yeah. The other uh, injuries <clears throat> are those long-term ones that uh, we well, Jack Hayes, of course, out all season. Dan Hanabry. He's like the mystery. Dan Hanabry is like the Michael Hurley of the St Kilda list, isn't he? He's just there, but you just know he's never going to be playing. Uh, Nick Caulfield, he's out. Oh, hang season. on a minute. Hurley's yeah. been playing. This bloke hasn't fronted for five years since he saw, or four years since he signed the uh, uh, the mega deal, the five year at what eight hundred. Well, Hurley hasn't been playing. What are you talking well, about? Well, when was Hurley last? When was he injured then? Oh, he had and a horrible talking. hip injury and an infection. He hasn't played for at least two years. Well, two to four is a bit different. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have <laughs> I'd have Hurley's value to, um, over over Hanabry's in the in the last five years. Surely, uh, yeah, probably. It's a strange hill to die on this one. Let's not let's not bother about this argument. Neither of them are playing. Was the point. I was making their sort of names on a list that never play. Yeah. Uh, but Jack Steele, a uh, really significant return for the Saints, you feel. Um, boy, they've drifted in the betting nearly $3 despite being in the eight. Uh, that SCG record worries me. What also worries me is the Swans. They've been a bit up and down, but they don't tend to have a couple of bad games in a row, do they? John Longmire. Uh, is very good at uh, whipping him back into shape pretty quickly after a disappointing performance. Uh, evidence of that, well, they haven't. Uh, they have lost two games in a row, as a matter of fact, to Brisbane and Gold Coast. But aside from that, this season it's been never more than one loss before turning it around with another win. That's what happened last time they lost to uh, who was it? To Carlton, they had a good win over Richmond the next week. Uh, at the SCG, I think that's pretty significant for them. I'm going for the Saints to win this one. Uh, sorry, the Swans to win this one. Uh, I'll give them a bit of leeway in the margin too, just to mix things up a bit. I'm going to go for Sydney by 22 points. Yeah, I'm around that margin. I just think Franklin and Reed and 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 their lively medium players, um, Essendon's pace and run and stretch really worried so if St Kilda if if, if the Swans can get there uh, get Parker and Mills working hard at the source Heaney is uh, playing very well I just like the flexibility and the mobility of the Warners Blakey Haywood Florent these sort of blokes and I think that'll give uh, uh, the Swans the edge um, and just, just uh, before you give your tip too I uh, just want to say one one thing which is really going in their favour, they've got as short an injury list at the moment as any side in the competition. Yeah. Josh yep. Kennedy still at least five weeks away with that serious hamstring injury. Laddam suspended, not injured. Now the other injury they've got on the official list is Sam Naismith, who's out for the whole season with a knee injury. So, And I think they'll, um, they'll put a line through that game and I think they'll basically run the same side out, Rowan, and... Uh, and uh, put the emphasis on them to uh, come back from that disappointing travelling loss to Port Adelaide. I've got uh, I've got the Swans by twenty seven points. 
27 points. So we're in sync on that one. All right. Uh, massive Saturday footy, three cracking games. Let's hope uh, they live up to how good they should be. Let's have a chat about what's happening on Sunday. Sunday, the program kicks off at 1.10pm in Tasmania, Hobart's Blundstone Arena, the venue for North Melbourne's game against Adelaide Palmavet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have the Crows, pretty warm favourites here, paying $1.29 head-to-head North Melbourne, $3.64. What's the history between these two? Well, of course... The Crows famously beat North in the 98 grand final. Actually, I was having a look at the scores of that the other day, Rob. Talk about a, a, a blown opportunity. North Melbourne in that game kicked to the city end, believe this, two goals, 18 to the city end. They kicked seven points in the last quarter and they kicked two, 11 in the second quarter. They should have been about 10 goals up in that game at half time. Left the door open. And Adelaide blew it down. Sorry, North fans, to remind you of that. You don't really need that. But uh, it was a remarkable grand final, that one. Anyway, the last 10 clashes, Adelaide have won 6-4. Won both meetings last year by 44 and then 41 points. Adelaide have only played at this venue twice previously and lost both. They're one and six in the last seven games. North Melbourne's record... Even worse, they've now lost 11 in a row and are 1-12 and 12 over the uh, season. Combined, these two have won one and lost 17. So uh, maybe it could be a nil-all draw, this one. That's a, pretty, a bit of a cheap shot, but uh, I, neither uh, got too much to recommend them. Rob, how are you saying this one? Well, I... Uh... Yeah, another team that uh, we've been pumping up a little bit, but uh, what, six out of the last seven losses going down to Hobart where their record's not great. I think if ever North can turn this around, uh, this is a game they can get themselves a win and give themselves a bit of... But they've got to overcome a pretty good forward line. Uh, they will get Mackay back in, I believe, Rowan, into the full-back position. Uh, Zerha is a test at best and they lose Jack Zebel with a face injury. So there's a little bit uh, Horn Francis still under suspension. So they still can't get a balanced team, and I think the Crows are, are pretty well balanced. They might get Thill thought back, although down there uh, there'll be a bit of weather about in the middle of winter. It'll be cold. I'm not sure where they can go with uh, Darcy Fogarty, Taylor Walker and Thilthorpe or... Um, or young Gallant, there's talk about bringing him in to uh, to bolster the forward line. Uh, Goldstein's going to do well in the ruck. There's no doubt about that. will be a good a good uh, duel with O'Brien. But it's about the way the Crows play. Last week we spoke about in our review, they nearly had a one-to-one kick-to-handball ratio. So if they're going to overuse the ball with handball and not be direct and quick down there, they're going to run into a little bit of trouble. It's a small ground. It can be affected by wind coming off the river there. And if they're going to over-possess the ball, uh, but on the other hand, North get a couple back, lose a couple, get a couple back. It's the tail of the tape at the moment. And this is one of the most difficult games to pick of the whole round. Yeah, I wonder if... um... 
Adelaide, of course, that disappointing loss to Gold Coast last week. North Melbourne having the bye. I wonder if that's a bit of a circuit breaker for them. I mean, it's just been a horrific season for them. And they just kept getting munched every week. I just wonder if a week off just gives them a chance to recalibrate assess where things are going, you know, start again almost, try to sort of yeah. get, get Well, they did the old uh, get on the bus and go up to the Murray and go on a camping trip together. So they've had the old... Did they, uh, they didn't go to Bali? No, they had the old, okay. They went to Baruga. Baruga, okay. That's well, uh, that... <laughs> yeah, a, few, a few less opportunities to get in trouble in Baruga than Bali. Yeah, so they went and had a heart-to-heart chat up there. So you're right. Um, I know we're giggling about it a little bit, but uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they can't. This is a more than winnable game, and I, I, I suspect this would be extremely disappointing for the North Melbourne followers, if they couldn't get a win in this game, and I'm going to tip them, Rowan. I wow. think they'll. I think they'll win down there. Um, uh, no, hang on. I think they should win down there, and uh, I, I think they'll come home with about a 15 point uh, uh, win, given given the record of the Crows, given the form. And what worries me, and I'll say it again, the only reason I'm going for North is unless the Crows can sort out this ball movement overuse, they're going to run into significant trouble down there, providing North can bring a half-decent pressure game. I think they can. I hope Zerha gets back into the side to complement the other end of the ground, Mackay. So if those sort of things work out okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tip North Melbourne. Okay, 15 points, your margin. Uh, just by the by, Mackay and Zuha on top both expected to return. Um, Zebo, as you say, won't be there. Horn Francis uh, still suspended, of course. Is that uh, a, I'm led to believe? Or my sources told me. Oh, one of those ones. No, no. One it's, of those uh, ones. No, it's not one of those ones because there's no great mystery about it. No, it's just another <laughs> way of saying that's what I've read. Uh, rest assured, though, people, just seeing yep. you bring that up, when a lot of people, when they do say, I'm led to believe whatever, it's they're, they're trying to make something, they're trying to make it sound like they're privy to some uh, confidential information where it's probably more likely they just read it in the paper. Uh, don't worry, that happens all the time. Uh, now, is that how they do it, Rowan? Just for yeah. our listeners, is that how they do it? My sources, I'm led to believe. Uh, absolutely, it is. Don't worry, we, we'll do a whole special podcast on the myths of football media. It'll I'd be love a, to. might be a six part mini series. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, who I'm are you going, going for? Well, I'm getting to that. Uh, okay. I thought Adelaide, uh, no, very good point about uh, the way they play their footy. But uh, point remains, that game was winnable last week. The margin ended up uh, looking ordinary, 40-plus points. But um, with not long to play, they were within, I think it was 13 points, still with mm. uh, 10 or so minutes left. And then they conceded, I think, six of the last seven goals, which isn't great. But my point is that they weren't hideous in that game. Um, no disrespect to North. I, I agree with you. I think North are a, a decent sort of chance here. But, you know, look, you lose 11 in a row. Tipping For a them, reason? Yeah, and tipping them <laughs> as a hunch more than an expectation. I think Adelaide, I think on so. the balance of probabilities, should win. I don't think it'll be by a lot, though. So I'm going for Adelaide to win this one by 16 points. All right, uh, let's talk about the mid-afternoon game on Sunday. 
3.20 p.m. MCG, Sunday afternoon. That is the time, the place. The teams are Collingwood and GWS. The odds, Palmerbet are saying you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. We say that all the time. Uh, always remember to gamble responsibly. We say that all the time too, and we should because it's important that you do. Uh, but head-to-head, Collingwood is a pretty warm favourite. $1.44, the pies paying head-to-head, thanks to Palmerbet. GWS, definitely the outsider in this game, $2.81. GWS, one thing which will encourage them, Robert, is their pretty good record against the pies. They've won six of their last seven clashes against Collingwood, and the only loss in that time is a 2018 semi-final by 10 points. Uh, Three of those wins against the Pies have been at the MCG, where this game is too. They have, however, lost three of the last four to the same opponent. uh, Oh, sorry, three of the last four at the MCG, including both appearances this year. Convincingly, they lost to Richmond by 36 points there in round two, and they were taken apart by Melbourne to the tune of 67 points at the MCG in round five. Uh, been a pretty ordinary season for the Giants. They're 13th, they're four, and they're nine. It's been a pretty damn good season for Collingwood, given the preseason expectations. They are in ninth spot, only outside the eight on percentage. They are eight and five, and they've won their last four games. And it's not just the fact they've won four games; it's who they've been against. Because three of those four wins, Robert, have been against top five teams in the likes of Fremantle. Mm-hmm. Carlton and Melbourne. Yes, I'm sounding emphatic because the Pies have been very, very good. They're going to get a win here, aren't they? I think they will. Let's uh, let's remove the elephant in the room. It's now Wednesday morning. Collingwood will be training this morning and they'll have another session probably on Friday and even a captain's run the day before the game. It's Hang on, what's the, what's the elephant in the room? Well, is Dugowie playing? Are they going to play him? People are already talking. Sources close to me <laughs> yeah. suggest yeah. people I've spoken to, yeah. right, which is rubbish, um, <clears throat> I think there's more than enough time for him to clear his head, get on the track with his mates, have two, two and a half sessions and to, and to play in this game and to pay back his teammates uh, for the for the distraction and whatever. Just one thing, I think, yeah, I agree. I think one very obvious reason he will play is if they weren't going to play him, surely they would have made that a feature of the statement they released yesterday. They would have made a big deal of the fact he wasn't going to play. Well, That's the investigative journalist. That's not investigative, it's just common sense. Unless they're they're absolute idiots, surely if they were (laughs) going to make a big deal about him not playing, they would have come out and said that. So Um, Just another quick one, mate. Can you just scan? I read early in the week, some doubt on side bottom, but I saw the news last night and he appeared to be running pretty well. He's not listed in the He's not listed, that's good. Okay, where will this be won? Collingwood will win this because of their defence. I think they've got one of the best and most settled defences, back six in the competition. Moore has got back to some really good form. Murphy's been a, a revelation as the third tour to complement how Quainor, Maynard, Noble uh, uh, complement each other with run and also Maynard's grit. They're going to come up against Jesse Hogan and Toby Green. We know what Toby Green did to the Western Bulldogs, so the match-up there is going to be really interesting. Um 
sides look at Toby Green and you got to play Toby Green like um, how, when do I start? Remember, I'll, I'll give. Oh, I'll start again. Remember, years and years ago, uh, Sheedy played uh, Dustin Fletcher on Phil Matera. It was yes. the most unusual matchup. Uh, you've got to play taller players. You know, Eddie Betts struggled with a taller player on him. You don't match height for height. You actually play a taller. So if he's close to goal and coming out of the goal square, I'd just go with Moore. If he's up the ground a bit, I'd go with Howell. So it's going to be interesting how they, because he was in ripping form and the dogs just couldn't get, uh, not the dogs, um, yeah, they the just, dogs. GWS, um, the dog, sorry, couldn't get the matchup right. So that's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Uh, their Ruckman's out. Um, Proust is out again. I think Peatling, that very, very um, exciting young player, he's he's injured. But the biggest problem for the GWS that might come to light uh, at the MCG if we get some good weather is their inability to defend Rowan. They've conceded... Uh, uh, 125 points in a game of football. Yeah, they, they have. They've been leaking like a sieve. The other big issue for them for about the fifth year in a row, I swear, is injuries. I don't know. Can a side be this unlucky or is are we – I mean, a lot of them seem to be trauma injuries too, but the fact remains at the moment GWS have 15 players officially on the injury mm. list. Uh, and their debutant, Ryan Angwin, he's now out for eight weeks. Uh, Peatling, James Peatling, you're right, he has been impressive. He uh, did a hamstring. He's out for three weeks. Uh, who else is out? Jack Buckley, he's been out all year. Brent Daniels. Ron, can I just jump in there? I, I always – people say, oh, look at our injury list. No, yeah. tell me who's critical. That's well, what I'm I say. trying to. Let me well, the, yeah, yeah, but Peatling's a young player, the bloke – Angwin's played his first game. I'm not actually sure they match up with the, the, the injuries to like centre back Phil Davis. All right. For well, okay. Let me rattle you off know. these names then Brent Daniels, Matt DeBoer, so, Jacob Hopper, Daniel Ward, yes. Harry Perryman, yes. Braden Proust, the Ruckman. He's suspended. Right, they're all got important roles to play. I'll, make, I'll take your point, but do you understand mine? Yeah. People I do. Say, oh, I do. I've got, we've, yeah, look yeah. at our injury list. Yeah. Like half of them play in the VFL. Give us but a break. The, well, well yeah, no, no. I don't think that's a case with these guys, though. And the other no. case, too, is they're trying to remake their team and they can't get any continuity because guys, these guys like Angwin come in and Peatling come in and they show something and then they get injured. So you don't – we haven't seen a settled GWS lineup for so long. It's not funny. I mean, in fact, you know, I, I think you've almost got to go back to 2016. And the other thing, they're in a transition period between trying to get them, as we've spoken about, McVeigh's trying to get a more aggressive, positive and attacking game plan. But I tell you what, in doing so, coupled with the injuries, lack of stability, um, they're leaving the barn door open for these sides to score. They've been ripped apart at the MCG in both games this year too, which I think counts for something. So I'm going for Collingwood to win this one pretty comfortably. 32 points the margin for me. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm a 31 point. I'm a five-goal man. 30, Ryan, you're you? a five-goal man. 31 yep. points for you, uh, for the Pies against GWS. And that leaves one game left in a magnificent round 15. 
final game of round 15. It's at 4.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Adelaide Oval. It is between Port Adelaide and Gold Coast. And Palmer Bet, where you can get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have Port Adelaide as favourite, $1.45 head-to-head. The power, Gold Coast paying $2.70. Now, here's a stat for you, Robert. Gold Coast's yes. first ever AFL win came against Port Adelaide. It was in round five. It was 2011. I remember the game well. It was a big comeback by the Suns, and they won in their fourth game in AFL company. Well, how many times do you reckon they've beaten Port since then? No, none. They haven't. <laughs> they haven't beaten too many since then, Ron. I, I know, but it's a remarkable record, I reckon. The record is 1-12 and 12 Gold Coast against Port Adelaide. Have not beaten them since round 5, 2011. However, their record as we speak in 2022 is as good as we've seen. They are now 7-6 and six in 11th spot on the ladder finals, very much on the agenda. They've won five of their last six so seven wins for the seasons already equal their win tally for the entirety of 2021. And their last three wins have been very convincing. 43 points against Adelaide last week, 62 points against North Melbourne the week before, 67 against Hawthorne the game before that. Port Adelaide, well, up and down like a yo-yo. They lost their first five. They won their next four. And since then, it's been loss, win, loss, win. However. Pretty impressive win last week against Sydney. Uh, some key injury news just quickly. Zach Butters uh, has a sprained medial ligament. Mm. Uh, it'll be, or you think, at least a month or so on the sidelines for him. Uh, Bryn Teekle made his debut last week in the ruck and was looking pretty good. Unfortunately, busted his shoulder and he's going to be out for about the next six weeks. Uh, some big returnees, you'd think, this week. Travis Boak will come out of health and safety protocols. Uh, Robbie Gray, you'd think he'd be coming back for them too. Uh, Trent McKenzie also expected to finish a stint in a concussion protocol. Uh, Sons, I might as well keep going, seeing I'm on a roll. Yes, please. Yep. Connor Butterick. Uh, hamstring issues for the Suns, but not as bad as first feared. They're giving him an outside chance of being fit for this game. Uh, Joel Jeffrey, lateral meniscus tear late in that win over Adelaide and will have surgery. That's unfortunate because yes. it's been terrific for them. Uh, and the other ones, well, we're familiar with uh, Ben King, of course, the most uh, obvious of them. And he's and that injury to that young kid was horrific, wasn't it? Will that Powell, was... yeah, yeah, that was, uh, boy, I inadvertently saw some stills from that game and uh, the photographer, you know, as he should have, uh, had the lens on him and it was one of those ones where you look at and you, you actually almost heave. It is so stomach-turning. Uh, there's a week for stomach-turning injuries, that and Cody Waitman as well. Uh, all right, that is the injury rundown. That's the form rundown. That's the history rundown. What's your rundown? Well, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble with the ruck situation given the uh, outstanding year that uh, the Gold Coast captain Ryan Witts has had. He's had a superb year. Jared Witts. Uh, Jared oh. No, I don't Ryan know who Witts? Ryan is. No, no idea where you're going with Ryan Witts. No idea at all. 
I reckon he was. There a was player. an Andrew Witts who played. <laughs> now I'm good. There's an Andrew Witts who played for Collingwood. I I remember this guy because I interviewed him. That played was him. yeah. He came now. You don't know what I'm yeah. going to say here. He came from the amateurs. He played for Collingwood. Made his debut mid-season, wearing number sixty-five. Still haven't seen a bigger number play an AFL senior game. And he was good. He played pretty well. And he was so good that after two or three games, they rewarded him by giving him number 49. <laughs> anyway, go on. I haven't been good with the names, have I? No, it's all right. We know what you mean. Go yeah. on. <clears throat> anyway, um, significant injuries worry me. And you've mentioned the positives of the ins, even though Zach Butters is going to be a loss. Port at home, getting Boak and Gray back in. Jeffrey's gone out the door. King's not there. Powell's not there. Weller was a significant injury. Corbett's a good player, and Connor Badarik's on the on the on the question mark. Um, you know, oh, pressure- a nice pronunciation, Badarik. Is he, you're giving it like a European inflection? It's just Badarik, isn't it? Badarik. <laughs> what is going on? I'm just having one of those mornings with names and that's pronunciations. That's all right, that's, that's all right guess, Richard. But that's okay with the uh, – that's that's live podcasting for you, Rowan, <laughs> having to talk for an hour and a half. Yeah, Don't go do on. it to me. Go Gold on. Coast consistent and strong, but uh, I, I think they're going to feel the pinch um, of uh, of these injuries. Both teams are in the um, – is there a game of difference, Rowan? Oh, sorry about that on the ladder. Is there a game the difference and percentage or more than that? Between those two? Yes. Uh, yes, there is. The Suns are seven wins. The Power are six wins. Okay. Well, uh, Port have to tack on. It's going to be desperation stakes for them. I'm going to factor that in in significant way. I'm going to balance up the injuries. Port's form uh, and their pressure last week was fantastic. They've got a um, a capacity to uh, play out of their skin and then dro- drop the next game or have a less than effective uh, game following those type of wins. But I can't see them, particularly if Boke and Gray get back into the side. Marshall's in good form. His matchup with Collins is going to be excellent to watch. Uh, Zach Butters significant. Add all that up. Home ground advantage. 4.10 on a Sunday afternoon, isn't it? Yeah. Shocking time um, slot. Uh, Port will get over the line here by uh, uh, mid-teens. 17 points, Rowan. 17 points. Uh, yeah, shocking time slot. It's a game that's probably warrants a better time slot than that. But then again, it's a round full of great games. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I thought Port really impressive last week. I didn't tip them, but they impressed me. Uh, things are ticking over for them. Boak, uh, massive return for them. Uh, like the way the likes of Todd Marshall uh, tracking, uh, seem to have a few more contributors on board than early in the season. And still, of course, uh, I won't even say an outside chance. There are two games outside the eight. There's nine games to go, um, but need to keep winning in order to maintain that chance. And no disrespect to the Suns. I think they've been terrific. And they've been pretty good away from home too, uh, at least compared to most much of their history. So they'll give themselves every chance here. And um, I think the odds are perhaps a bit long for them than what they should be given their recent form. Like I said, $2.70 you can get on Gold Coast at the moment. 
But, uh, yeah, Port for me, I think they're good enough to keep those finals hopes alive. I'm going for them to win this one by 24 points. And that is our previews of nine games in what is one of the great rounds of the uh, last few years, not just this year. Let's hope the games live up to uh, the hype that they deservedly attract. And uh, thanks to your company again, of course, thank you to our wonderful uh, official podcast partners, Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Uh, thank you, Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. You can support this podcast by uh, giving generously at the ACAST supporter platform wherever you listen to us. Better still, become a Footyology patron and the links uh, to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of independent journalism and writing. Uh, jump on there, and we are asking for $7 Australian per month, uh, giving you access to everything on the Footyology website and our podcasts and my various ramblings on Twitter, you name it. It's all there. Uh, it's all there anyway, but uh, your generous donation helps us keep going, and we we are very grateful to those subscribers we do have. You know who you are. Uh, tell a few of your friends and family. It all helps keep this little operation afloat. So look out for those links on Patreon. Uh, nice work from you, uh, Rupert. Um, Thanks, Chris. Chris. <laughs> Chris, yeah, I'll cop that one a bit. Um, <laughs> we will be back uh, on Sunday for our review of what, again, we hope is one of the great rounds. Uh, We'll speak to you then. 